what's going on? My name is Michael. Welcome to the Honest Youth Pastor YouTube channel, the channel that helps believers use biblical discernment in all aspects of life. And today we are going to do that in one of my favorite ways, which is the sermon review. Now, if you're new to this channel and you're like, what's a sermon review? Well, let me let you in on a little secret. A sermon review is where we work through a variety of different sermons from a variety of different pastors, some of them sent in by you, and we look at three specific things. One, do they read the text? Two, do they uh, exegete the text using context and culture or genre? And third, do they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Pretty low bar, but sometimes we like soar over it like Superman, and sometimes we crash into the ground like a meteor. It just kind of depends on the week, I suppose. Now, this week, I do want to be transparent with you. I am not going off of of any of the pastors that you guys submitted in uh, the list that you do via email or DM or in the comment section. In fact, I'm going to do Charles Stanley, which you probably saw in the title or the thumbnail, because I am doing a uh, video essay on Andy Stanley, and I wanted to do a little bit of background work on Charles Stanley himself, uh, sort of leading up to Andy Stanley. We did a video essay on Mike Todd, which a lot of you guys really watched. That's probably why some of you are even watching now, but if you have haven't seen that yet, link will be down in the description as well as a link for this full sermon that we're going to be reviewing today in case you want to watch it without my commentary. Also down there, lots of other things, lots of other things, notably uh, a free sermon review guide so you can do this for uh, all of the sermons that you watch at your church or online as well. So Look, let's not belabor the point, shall we? Let's go ahead over to the review screen. Today, uh, the sermon is actually going to, it's not from um, First Baptist Church Atlanta. It's actually from In Touch Ministries, uh, which is a ministry that used to be connected to First Baptist Church Atlanta, and then it became Charles Stanley's own little thing on the side. Uh, but anyway, not the point. You'll find all, you'll find out about all that when we uh, eventually put out the video uh, essay. But today's sermon from Charles Stanley is going to be a compass for life's journey. We're going to be using this now. I know some of you guys might think that I am literally living under a rock. I've heard of Charles Stanley. I have legit never watched an entire Charles Stanley sermon. Like I've come in and out of the room when I was a kid when my grandma was watching it. I've come in and out of the room when other people have been watching them. I've never seen a whole sermon from Charles Stanley, which I know some of you may think is impossible. It's just never happened. But today though, today it's going to happen. So let's go ahead and start this uh, and get into it. A compass for life's journey. I have in my hand uh, a compass, and I have had it for 25 years. It has never failed me. It's always pointed north. Always pointed to the North Pole. So I can always tell by looking at this which direction I'm headed in. Now, if I put it in my pocket and I don't look at it, it doesn't do me any good. But if I will take it out and look at it, I will always know which direction I'm headed in. And I have been in some places a few times without it. I wish I'd had it because I needed it. And on one occasion when I was with a guide, I told him I thought we were heading in the wrong direction. He said, oh no, I've traveled this path many times and I know it's not the wrong direction. I pulled out my compass and I said, well, sir, either I have got to believe you or I've got to believe my compass. And I'm going to believe my compass because it never fails. Well, finally, he admitted that uh, we were right. And so we finally got where we were going. And when I think about how many times I pull this out to look at it, to check up on myself, to be sure I'm going the right direction. And one of the most valuable things about it to me personally uh, for photographing is that uh, when I want to be sure I have warm morning light when it's the most beautiful and it's side light, I can take this the night before and okay, check out where's east because I know the sun's coming that direction. When I want to get a beautiful sunset, then I want to check out and see where's west because I know that's where it's going to set. So there's some things I know for certain not going to ever lead me wrong, always going to tell me what's right. And so when I think about this, it points in eight different directions. There's north and northeast and east. And then there's southeast and south. Then there's southwest and west, and then there's northwest. So there are eight different directions it's going to point me in. And 
Just to know that I can trust it all the time is a great sense of security. Well, that's good for a travel. This is a better compass for living. And as surely as that compass will always point, watch this, will always point to the North Pole, this compass always points upward. All right, so um, he is, he's introed in. Now, we've talked about intros before. Um, the intros obviously do a variety of different things. Sometimes they're stories. Sometimes they're stories that lead into the text. Sometimes they are um, just stories that lead nowhere. Sometimes people just jump right into the text and then into their sermon. Stanley's done something uh, a little bit different than we typically see, though this isn't like unique. Maybe he's, I don't know, maybe he's the one that, you know, came up with it and everybody else stole it from him. I'm not sure because he's a pretty prolific uh, speaker and pastor, but, or was, he's, I guess he passed recently. But the idea here being is that he intros with, hey, here's a compass. This is how I use a compass. I use it for photography. I use it for travel and I can trust it because it is always going to tell me the right, the, the, the correct direction we're going. And then he uses that to pivot into the scriptures and saying, hey, the scriptures are the same type of thing for us as believers, whereas the compass is always going to point due north. And we know that we're traveling in the correct direction, given that the compass can be trustworthy for the believer. The the Bible is always going to point us toward God and help us in, in guiding us that way. I'm sure he's going to carry this illustration out a bit more, um, but he he grabs their attention with something from the beginning. Hey, this is a compass. Obviously, I think if you've been in church for five minutes, you kind of knew the direction he was going with the compass thing. But the point is, it is a good illustration nonetheless. If you're a believer sitting in the audience and you, you know, you've you don't know a whole lot about uh, the Bible or about Christianity. The compass gives you a good segue into that. If you are a believer sitting in there, it's just a reassurance of, hey, the Bible is trustworthy and true, like the compass is trustworthy and true. So two things I do want to mention before we get too much further into the sermon review, which I should have mentioned at the beginning. One, I've never seen this. I did not watch this video. I just pulled it up. This is the first one that came up when I typed in Charles or uh, Charles Stanley sermons, maybe. I forget. Point is, it was at the top of the list. Secondly... <clears throat> It's only 26 minutes long, so there may this may be a shortened sermon. I don't know. Uh, I just 26 minutes seems awful short for a sermon. Um, so unless he is typically this short, I'm gonna guess that this may be chopped up a bit um, because this looks like because I've done quite a bit of research on Charles Stanley. Um, this looks like the uh, First Baptist Atlanta Church. Bat, like their old sanctuary. So this is probably an older sermon that In Touch Ministries has sort of chopped up. I just want to be like frank about that. I think this is probably what has happened. So those two things, just going forward, realize that this is probably an older sermon that they've chopped up and kept the main meat to. So is this the full sermon? I don't know. Um, and secondly, I haven't seen all this the way through. So we're basically watching this together for the first time. Or we are. It's not basically. We are watching this together for the first time. So anyway, Good illustration leading into the text. The trust text is trustworthy and true. Like the compass is trustworthy and true. Good illustration. Uh, let's keep going. Every single time. And what I want to do in this message is this. And I want to talk about a compass for life's journey. And what I want to do is simply this. I want to take a passage of Scripture, one of the most important passages of Scripture in the Bible to me personally. Because right after I was saved, Somehow, by the grace of God and His goodness, I came across this passage of Scripture. And there are two verses primarily that God spoke to my heart about. And then after a few years went by, I realized that there was so much more here. And so what I want us to do is I want us to read this passage of Scripture, and then here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you why this Bible and this passage of Scripture is an awesome guide for your life and mine. And this passage alone will always keep you headed in the right direction. And then when we talk about how it directs us, I want to talk about the value that following this, listen, this compass that never points us in the wrong direction. But it, listen, I want to show you the value of simply doing and following the compass. So I want you to turn, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 3, so one thing really quick before we get any further, what he does do, I think, which is helpful for a communicator is saying, hey, so this is the compass for believers. 
I think this passage is a great, uh, a great uh, compass for you, but I, what he wants to do, and he kind of lays it out for us. We're going to look at it. I'm going to show you why it's a good compass. I'm going to show you why it's a valuable compass and why following this compass is going to lead you well. So he sort of gives us this roadmap. We're going to work through this. We're going to look at it, and then I'm going to show you why it's valuable and why it's trustworthy. So even if you're not totally sold on the idea yet, if you're in the, in the congregation, you can at least say, okay, well, he's going to do these things. So now you're sort of you're hooked in, you're sort of plugged in of, I at least know where we're going um, and what his goal is, right? And I think that's important to do as a pastor. We don't see that a lot, to be honest with you, in a lot of these reviews where they, there's like, hey, here's the passage. And then we just kind of dive in and go through it. He does do something a little unique here in which he says, hey, here's the passage. This is where we're, why I think it's valuable. I'm going to show you why it's valuable. And I'm going to show you why it's worth following. So there's sort of this this idea that he's put in front of us that even if you don't believe me right now, stick with me and I'm going to kind of walk you through it. So that's good. I didn't hear what it was. It's Proverbs something. As soon as it comes, I'm sure it's probably going to come up on the screen, but when it does, we want to turn there uh, as we always do. Whenever a pastor says, Hey, we're going to go to this particular passage. We want to go there with them so that we can follow along and see if it's being used correctly. Usually don't read a long passage of scripture, but it's a wonderful passage. So beginning in verse one, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart so you'll find favor and good report or a good reputation in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight or direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Now, I believe this, number one, because it is Scripture. I believe it for the second reason, because I was saved when I was 12 years of age. Right after that, these two verses... Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Those two verses became like an anchor to my own thinking. And then as I began to read later on in life, a little later on, these other verses helped me to realize that here in one passage is a compass for living. And I can tell you, God can be trusted to be faithful. This passage will always keep you walking in the right direction. So let's think about it for a moment. Let's look at the direction of this compass, this, the Word of God, this Bible compass. And the first thing you'll notice is that it points to the Scripture itself. Listen. Okay, so the one thing, before he gets into it, because he does seem like he's going to kind of walk us through this. Again, I haven't ever seen a full uh, Charles Stanley sermon, but my understanding is he preaches exegetically. I guess we're going to see if that's true here. That's what I've been told. That's what I've read is that he kind of preaches exegetically. Uh, of course, he preaches exegetically, but he preaches verse by verse uh, through the scriptures. So we've read verses 1 through 12. He stated that 5 through 6 had a huge impact on him personally, that they were an anchor to sort of him after his salvation. And now he's going to kind of walk us through this, why it's trustworthy, why it's valuable, how it can be applied well. So let's see how he sort of does this, because we did read, you know, a good section of scripture. Let's see how he unpacks this then, because that's always the thing, right? If you've watched previous sermon reviews, what you're going to know is that there's lots of pastors that read chunks of scripture, but what do they do with them after they read them? Because there's lots of times, if you want to go back and watch past sermon reviews, or if you have seen past sermon reviews or listen to them, um, it's always at this point, we either go down a path that's very helpful, or we just go into crazyville. Like we just, we, we, we latch onto a word or a verse, and then we just go crazy. And, um, it usually ends up bad. 
or we actually walk through the text and we work through it, you know, acknowledging like, for example, this is wisdom literature. So we're acknowledging like the genre and what's happening and how we can kind of pull out the truths in it. Um, so let's see which one he does here, because that, that, that will make or break uh, how good of a sermon it is. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Listen, this compass is our moral guide for this life. You and I live in a world that is very immoral, full of difficulties, heartache, pain, troubles, trials, and immoralities. This compass will keep you heading in the right direction all the time. Because remember this, every day you hear voices that would pull you away from the right path. You see things that would pull you away from the right path if you're not careful what you look at. And so, Many people are not, down, not going down the right path. They're not heading in the right direction. First of all, they don't even know what it is. You see, if you neglect the compass, you're going to get in trouble sooner or later. And there's so many things in life, listen, that cloud our thinking. So many voices we hear that would try to convince us and persuade us this is right and that's right. The Word of God, meditating upon the Word, listening to the Word, taking notes on the Word, applying the words to our heart. So he says, my son, do not forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. Let the word of God be uppermost in your thinking. Daily, it is your compass for living. The second thing I want you to notice is this. This compass points us, listen to what he says. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Kindness, kindness, listen. This compass is always going to point us to being kind, that's considerate and thoughtful and giving and helpful and warm about our feelings toward other people. And the Bible says that kindness makes a man or a woman attractive. That is, God uses that character quality in our life to attract people to the Lord Jesus Christ who lives inside of us. And so this compass is always going to point you and me, listen, to be kind toward other people, to be helpful, to be a servant, to be giving when necessary, to be an encouragement to them in some way or the other. And so kindness is one direction we'll always walk in if we follow this compass. But notice, if you will, what he says also. He says, and truth. That is, this compass will always lead you to truth. Why? Because it is inspired by the living God. It is the infallible, inerrant, compass. It makes no mistakes. It always points, listen, it always points Godward. Okay, so one thing, I don't know, um, and again, this may just be a version thing. I guess I wasn't, I don't know. Um, mine doesn't say anything about truth. In fact, verse three, it says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. So this idea of uh, let not steadfast love, so enduring love, and faithfulness, so this faithfulness being uh, faithful to, right? So you're, it's basically this endurance. Don't let this love and faithful endurance forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. So don't forget these things. Let them be close to you. Again, pointing them back, I think, to this, again, I think there's some cultural things here within um, Judaism that I think this is applying to in regards to uh, the tablet of your heart. There's this idea of... of uh, Again, I haven't done any sort of exegetical work or sermon prep on this, but my, I'm going to guess this is probably sort of this ringing of the, the Ten Commandments, this idea of writing this on the tablets of your heart, um, this binding the things around your neck. Um, that was also a tradition to do. Um, I forget exactly. I think it was more of the priests did it, but the idea is that these are the things that you're keeping close. Um, so I, I think it may be a stretch. <laughs> to go with always points us to kindness, though it's not, that's not a bad point. I think it's, it ultimately is true in regards to how we're supposed to interact with people as believers. Uh, I think it's just a sort of a stretch to take that from verse three, but it's not entirely off the point. I think it's just taking some liberties there. Um, the always points us to truth part. He didn't give us a verse for that. I, again, this may be a translational thing. I'm not seeing anything about uh, truth. The next verse in verse four uh, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your understanding. 
I don't, he's not, he hasn't given us a verse in which always points us to truth. He is backing up the idea um, of, again, telling the people that, you know, God's word is uh, the inerrant word of God. It can always be trusted. It is always true. Um, so he's sort of using that, um, which is good. It's just that I'm not, I'm not sure where he's pulling that from verse wise. Just like the physical compass always points northward to the North Pole, this compass always points toward God, heavenly, and it will always lead you in the right direction. That is to be truthful to other people and to act in truth with integrity. Then if you'll notice what he says, he says, he says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not, listen, lean not to your own understanding, which simply means this. This compass always, always points us to trust, to faith, that our God is trustworthy. He never makes a mistake. He will never mislead you under any condition. And sometimes we have difficulty trusting God. And sometimes a person will say, well, oh, well, I, I trust him, sort of. Listen carefully. You don't trust him, sort of. You either do trust him or you don't trust him. You don't trust him, sort of. And oftentimes we have difficulty when God requires of us something that we see as difficult for us. And we say, well, God, but how? And because we can't figure it out, we don't trust him. And when we do not trust him in any area of our life, we're insulting God. What we're saying and what we're implying is this. He's not trustworthy. If he says, I'm calling you to do this work. Oh, here's what I want you to say here. And we say, well, I, I, I just don't think I can do that. God, by his nature, would never call you to do something he will not equip you to do. He will not call you to give something he'll not provide the resources for. He's not going to listen. He's not going to lead you into a lifestyle for which he has not equipped you in your gifts and talents and skills and abilities. Therefore, to deny him his rightful place in your life of trusting him, you are saying to him, I can't trust you. I don't believe you. So, oh, I'd never tell God that your actions shouted to him. Think about here's this, here's this righteous God who never makes a mistake, who loves you unconditionally, who would never mislead you. And you're telling him you don't believe him. You know what it says? You, you've closed the compass. This compass is always going to lead you to trust him. But I want you to notice something else about it. And that is, it will always lead you to seek his mind and his will about things. Listen to what he says. He says, now, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. And then he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. This compass is always going to point you in the direction of seeking the Lord. That is, what does God think about the question before you? How does God want to intervene in this decision to give you the right sense of direction? Okay, so what he is doing here, and I just want to stop real quick just so I can interject. I think what he is doing here is walking the people through in a very... So he, here's, I think, maybe where he's different um, than some other... Uh, maybe pastors of his generation or his day is that what he's basically doing is leading them through verse by verse in a very conversational type of tone, right? So he's not got uh, any notes. He's not behind the pulpit. Uh, he's out in front of it and he's sort of walking them through. Okay. What does this verse basically say in plain language? What does this verse basically say in plain language? So when he, when he was previously in verse uh, five, and it's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on, on, on your own understanding. He sort of pressed in a little harder there than he had on the previous verses saying like, you can say you trust God, but if you sort of waver in doing the things that you know you should do or the things that, you know, you, you feel him calling you to, or, uh, you know, people he's calling you to pray for, or be involved with, um, you don't really trust him if you're not doing those things. Uh, so he presses a little bit harder there. Then he moves right on to verse six, where we're at now, which always leads you to seek uh, God's will and God's mind, which verse six is acknowledge uh, your, I'm sorry, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So he's taking these verses and really, um, I don't know. And we'll, I guess we'll, do, I want to get through this whole sermon. We're about halfway through at this point. Um, so we want to get through the whole thing. My, my, my sort of inclination now is basically what he's doing. He's not really necessarily exegetically working through it and explaining them. He's basically just plain using plain language to explain each verse. Um, 
as as we sort of walk through uh, what's going on here. Now, the you know, to his credit, he's not he doesn't have any notes. He's not going off any notes. It seems like he's sort of doing this from memory, which is great, um, which means he's been in it for a while. But that, that seems like what's happening right now. We're kind of walking through uh, and making each verse uh, very applicable in plain language to the people. In all your ways, acknowledge him, which means, listen, if I acknowledge him, I'm recognizing him as my Lord. I'm recognizing, listen, his infinite and perfect wisdom. I'm recognizing the fact that he will only lead me in the right direction. I'm recognizing the fact that he loves me unconditionally. I'm recognizing the fact that he only has the best for me. So therefore, in all your ways, acknowledge him. That is, look to him, seek him. Now think about this. What is it in your life that you would say, now God has nothing to do with that? Not a thing. In all your ways, in all your decisions, we're to seek him. We're to ask him. And you see, if, if, you're, not, if you're not into the compass daily, you can mark it down. You're going to step off the path. You're going to head in the wrong direction. Why does he give us this awesome compass to live by? simply because he loves us. Listen, he knows where all the pitfalls are. He knows on the path of your life and mine where it's very narrow. He knows where it's very broad. He knows all the temptations along the way. He knows all about the voices that'll be calling for you here and calling for you there. He knows all about the attractive things that will appeal to you. And so whatever there is out there, he knows all about them. And so what? He wants us to seek his will. God, what would you have me to do? What you have to do is check the compass. You cannot name a single solitary experience in life in which this compass will not give you clear direction. If you will meditate upon it, if you will ask God to give you direction, you see, because there's no area in your life that you can exclude God. So he says, in all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him. No, one thing I got to give him credit for. Now, this doesn't, um, again, I know he's taking like kind of a, a broad sort of approach to this, but the things that he said throughout the sermon so far, I think have been, would be really helpful for the congregation to hear, right? Because he's not, he's not going to be able to cover everything, obviously, in this sermon or any sermon. For a pastor, you have to acknowledge that. Like, I'm basically covering what this text says that we're covering today. Um, but what he's sort of sprinkling through, especially here, he did a little bit before, which is reassuring his people like, Hey, if you have questions, if you want to know what's going on, the Bible is your compass. The Bible is going to lead you to on the true path. And so a number of times, uh, through this sermon so far, he's told his people like, Hey, if you want to know what to do and how to approach it and how to go about it, read the Bible. He's told them you need to be in this daily. Um, why? Well, not because it's a religious act. He hasn't really pointed toward that. It's this idea that if you want to know what God desires of you, how are you going to know what God desires of you unless you're in his word? And you've got to be in his word to know that. And then you're acknowledging that he's trustworthy. You'll see that he's trustworthy and true. You'll see that uh, he's way smarter than you. <laughs> and so, uh, so far, even as we've worked through this, I think I, we've seen that a couple times where he's interjected that where he's encouraged the congregation sort of outside of the specific text we're looking at of, Hey, there's, there's a lot more here and you need to know it. Um, and then he ties it back into verse six here, the, you know, the acknowledging God, he's going to keep your path straight. How is he going to do that? Well, read about what he said other places. So that that's, I think, um, Again, this is an interesting sermon review because this isn't like a lot of the more modern sermons we've looked at. This may be one of the older ones, actually. Now that I think about it, this may be one of the oldest sermons we've looked at, which does give a bit of a different flavor to it because preaching kind of changes over time. Um, so that, that, you know something? I didn't even think about that. This may be the oldest one. And then if you will notice, look, look again here in this verse. He says... Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, this compass always points to obedience. Always. There's not a single verse to be found in the Scripture that would entice us to do evil. That's not who God is. This compass always points to obedience. Why? Because the God who created you created a plan for your life. 
You may be in the plan or not in the plan. Listen, He has a pathway for us to walk. This pathway is the pathway created by a loving God who loves us unconditionally. It's a pathway that leads to the best for our life. It's a pathway that has difficulty on it, hardship, troubles, trials, but He's going to use every single one of those to do what? To build character into our life and to make us Christ-like and to make us more useful. Listen, to make us a more valuable vessel of His. Because the more those difficulties and hardships and trials we've been through, listen, the more capable we are of less tenderly listening to others and being able to discern what's really going on in their heart and being able to identify with them and hurt with them. And so all of those things are part of His plan. And so when you think about, well, God, if you, if you really love me, you'd eliminate all these things. No, He wouldn't. It's because He loves us. And so, if you'll think about it, He would never leave you to do it, lead you to do anything that's disobedient. So, when you ask God to show you His will, and you deliberately, willfully, listen, step off the path, what you're saying is, I'm smarter than God. What you're saying is, God, I know that's what, I, I know that's what the compass says, but I'm going to do something different. Listen carefully. There are many of you who have something in your life that's drawing you off course, off the path. And soon as I said that, you already know what it is. That that is a that is a good pastor move right there. I mean, basically what he's doing, he's setting them up. So he's got them all the way to this point and said, Hey, don't be wise in your own eyes. So now we're to verse seven. Uh, I don't know how he's going to get the rest of the verses in 10 minutes, but maybe you will. Uh, and so we're in verse seven. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. And so he digs into this. So some of these he's very much generalizing really quick and moving on. And a few of these he's dug in pretty, you know, pretty hard on. And this one, that's the same thing. Like he's saying, like, you know what the Bible says, but you think you're going to be wise in your own eyes. And you are. You know you are. I don't even have to tell you. You already know that. And so he basically, as a pastor, one of the things that we're called to do is obviously open up the scripture, show what the scripture is saying, and then bring forth application on that. So it's really easy to read over verse seven. In fact, I mean, he read verses one through 12, and it's really easy just to read over that and not pay attention to that. But when he digs into that, he's really getting at the heart of it. So before he talked about trusting in the Lord, dug into that. Before that, he talked about, you know, acknowledging that God, you know, knows the best way. Talked about that. Talked about now being wise in your own eyes and you're going off the path and you shouldn't do that. So each of these, each of them have a little bit different of a kick to them, a little bit different um, sort of how deep seriously he's going to get to them. But that right there was good. Like he, it's sort of the, Hey, look at this hand, bang, I smacked you with the other hands for a situation, which I, that's, it's good. It's good. Because you know, it doesn't fit who you are. It's not contributing to your life. It has you confused, frustrated, guilty, mixed up, and some of you are in depression because you've been off the path so long. All I want to say is this, if you don't get on the right path, if you don't get back to following the leadership of the compass, you're going to make a horrible mistake. And I want to tell you, my friend, anytime you're walking the path of disobedience, you are going to be disappointed and you are going to self-destruct if you don't get on the right path. He says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The next thing I want you to know is this. It points us also, listen, the financial wisdom. Look at this. He says in this um, ninth verse, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. See, that's sad. Real quick. I know, I mean, he's going to go into nine and 10, but it's sad that he didn't do verse eight. Like why are we skipping certain verses? Like we've only skipped two. The first one we skipped was verse two, for the length of your uh, years in life and peace may be added to you. He didn't cover that one. And now we're skipping over verse uh, eight, which really ties into verse seven, because in verse seven, it says, be not wise in your own eyes for the Lord and turn away from evil, turn away from evil, basically. So it says uh, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So this idea of like, hey, turning away from evil 
acknowledging that you're not wise, but God is, will actually be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So there's this correlation here. When you, when you know you're not the smartest guy in the room, you know that God is the smartest. When you acknowledge that and turn away from evil, it actually has a healing effect to you. Like it's healing to your flesh, it's refreshment to your bones. I really wish you would have kind of dug into that one a little bit. I don't know why we skipped it. Is these two tie together? I mean, he could have said, hey, you're off the path. You shouldn't be off the path. It's bringing forth things that are not good for you. But if you turn from your evil ways, God is good to heal you from that. source. I mean, that's the there's so many stories I can tell you about of people that have been following just terrible things in opposition to the Lord, turn to the Lord, and the Lord restores these things, heals these relationships. Um, just really disappointing that he skipped verse eight. But anyway, here we go. Verse nine and 10, he's going into um, uh, basically uh, financial. What did he say? Something about finances. So that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. What does it mean to honor the Lord? It means that I respect him and revere him. It means that I acknowledge his lordship. And when it comes to finances, here's what it means. I honor him as the creator of all wealth. I honor him as the source of all of my wealth. It may be very, very, very little, but it falls in the category of wealth. Honor the Lord with your, with your wealth. Listen, honor the Lord from your wealth. That's very simple. Now, my wealth and your wealth is not only dollars and cents. It's your abilities, your talents, your skills, your opportunities. Honor the Lord from your wealth. Listen, this is part of the compass. He said, you want direction in your finances? Then start honoring God. Because when you dishonor God and then you expect him to get you out of the mess, that's a contradiction. And I'll tell you why it's, it's not going to happen. Because listen, God isn't going to contribute to what you are doing wrongly. Is this because he's a judgmental God? No, it's because, listen, it's because he knows what's best and he tries to get our attention. And when people get in debt and they go to some counselor and they give them, a, well, just, uh, you know, mortgage your house again. Now you got a bigger debt. I do this, I do that. And if you listen to all these commercials telling you how to get out of debt, they're not telling you how to get out of debt. They're telling you how to have more money now, which is a trap. This compass will never mislead you. Then listen to the last direction of this compass. And that is... My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. That is, don't hate his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. You know what he says? He says, here's what this compass says. This compass says, listen, accept God's reproof. Accept his discipline because it came from the father's love. When God comes down upon us, for our disobedience, we turn with hatred and animosity. God, why are you allowing this to do, do this to me? And if he answered, you know what he'd say? I'm loving you. Well, this is not a way to love me. Wisdom says it is. Well, God, why are you doing this to me? Because I have this awesome path I've created for you. And I want you to get the full benefit of walking according to my will. Now watch this. In all of these eight directions from this compass, in essence, here's what it says. Stop trying to live in this fantasy world of becoming what you want to become, doing what you want to do, being what you want to be in violation of the Word of God. That's a fantasy world. And come back to reality and look at the compass and begin to follow it. Now, the second part I want you to see that we'll go through rather quickly. So let's. Okay, so the one thing, because he did say he was going to go through it quickly. He, does, he did get through all the verses, uh, so I was wrong there. He didn't dig into all of them as deep as some of them, but he did get through them. Now, the one thing that I was looking for that he did do was he gets to the end there and he says, all right, so here's all of them. So what do all of these mean together? Don't live in a fantasy world where you think you're the best, smartest, greatest, and you can make your own path. Rather... Turn to the Lord, see what he has to say, follow him, and then be wise in doing so. So he does sort of bring them all together. Now, the second part, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> he did say we're going to move through it rather quickly. So maybe he's talking about uh, the second half of 
Uh, I don't think he's probably talking about the rest of Proverbs 3 because there's a whole lot more verses there. So I'm sure he's not talking about that. Um, so I'm interested in where he's going to pivot to now because he's basically worked through in a very in very short order what verses 1 through 12, 12 have said. Basically, not really dug into all of them. I very much scratched the surface of each of them, giving us a generalized sort of... Um, I don't know, updated language with a little bit of sort of application to each of them, got us to the end and said, hey, all of this together is one big lesson of follow the Lord, trust him, and he's trustworthy. Don't do this thing over here and follow the world and everything they say because they're not as smart as God, so follow God. That's basically the gist of what's happened so far. Now, it's been a very uh, general gist altogether. So it'll be interesting to see sort of where he goes um, here in a minute. Uh, what's the quick second sort of half that he's talking about working through? So let's see sort of what um, what he's going to say there. Listen carefully. I want you to see the value and all these eight values are right here. The value of following the compass. And here's the first one. We're going not over those same verses, but the verses in between. So watch this. Here's what he says. My son, do not forget my, my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. So here's what he says. The, one of the first values is length of days and years. <laughs> Charles Stanley done played me. I, I said, why are you skipping these verses? The man's coming back and making me look like an idiot. He's going to actually talk about them, it seems. We'll see. But he is covering verse 2, which I got on to him for skipping. We'll see if he covers... Uh, uh, what did I say? Verse eight. We're going to see, but I have a feeling I just got played by Charles Stanley. ...of life and peace they'll add to you. He says, listen, you want your days to be more productive? You want your years to be more fruitful? Listen, do you want the best of what God has to offer? You think about how many people waste so much time in a given day. And if I call somebody and they, I say, what you doing? Well, I'm not doing anything. My first response is, well, then you need to get busy. Because before we get off this phone, some of your life is already gone and you wasted it. We should, listen, we should be busy about the right things in life. Does this mean we don't ever take a break? No, I'm not talking about that. But what I want you to say is this. He says, when you follow this compass, here's what you can expect. Length of days, years of life, they will add to you. Are you saying to me that I'll live long if I obey God? I can't guarantee that, but I can tell you one thing. More than likely... More than likely, you might. One thing I can say is this. Life will be better if you follow the compass. So he says, first of all, your days and your years are going to be better. The second thing he says is, listen, accompanying those days and years, he says, and peace they will add to you. Listen to this. That doesn't mean that our life is just going to be full of, mm -hmm, everything is just fine and wonderful every day. It means... Some days are going to be, mm -hmm, some days are going to be, oh. Here's what he says. When the days are difficult and painful, there will be this peace, this sustaining peace, this overwhelming sense of comfort and assurance, my God is walking with me through this. When you walk his path, you follow his compass, what does he say? He says, length of days and years of life and peace they're going to add to you. Then notice what he says. Not only that, every one of these makes it valuable for us. He says, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Think about this. Do you want the favor of God in your life personally? Do you want the favor of God upon your family? You want the favor of God in the life of your children? Do you want the favor of God bestowed upon you? When you follow the compass, as we've just mentioned here, what happens is, he says, listen, we have the favor of God. That, listen, that means the good things of God. One thing I, I want to really point out, and I know if you're listening to this, you've, you've kind of missed it the whole time. Um, but every time they do a wide shot of the congregation, every single one of these people, with the exception of maybe like there was one shot of like this, this teenager that was just sitting there uh, with his Bible closed with like some papers on top of it. But it, 
with without that exception, everybody else in the congregation has their Bibles open. They're not only open and they're going through them, like they're taking notes every single time. And so that that's something I think not again, not that that's always like a great sign. We did a Kenneth Copeland review and those people had their Bibles open taking notes too. So, you know, a little, you know, use some discernment there. But the idea is that he, he's working through the text. So there's no way that you can actually be following along with him unless you have your Bible open. It's impossible. It's not that this is just some sort of speech or, you know, what we usually call TED Talk or inspirational whatever. Like he's walking you through the text. So if you actually want to follow along and know what's going on, you're at least bare minimum going to have your Bible open. And secondly, you're probably going to take notes. Now he is doing, I mean, bad on me. That just shows that I wasn't paying close enough attention. Basically he's going every other verse. So he taught from verse one, verse three, verse five, um, uh, you know, through the first second now uh, for the, through the first half. And now he's sort of speeding through the second half showing that the odd numbers. So, you know, verses two and verses four, and he's going to get probably to verse seven here. Uh, these are all the application, the valuable parts of it. So he's going through and he's saying, okay, all the things we said before were great, but why should we even care? Well, the first one, he says, you know, verse two, length of days will be added to you. Verse four, you'll find favor and success with God and man. Like, so he's going through and say, Hey, there, there are implications to following what the Lord says. There's actually these things that come along with acknowledging that he's the right one and you're not the right one and that you should follow his wisdom. Um, so he's bringing them back around, not only teaching through the text, but showing a sort of the flow of the text originally within the wisdom literature of here's a statement, here's why it applies. Here's a statement, here's why it applies and working them through that. Now, again, he's doing it really, really fast, um, but I still think it holds... Uh, again, the weight that it, it's supposed to, I think you could dig a bit more into it, but he's, he's showing them the value in the text. God's plan, his provision, his best comes our way. And now we can handle it. Why? Because we're on the right path, doing the right thing. Then if you'll notice, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. One of the values of following the compass is he will direct your path and he will make it straight. You know what? You can't choose a better path than God's path. This compass is going to lead you, listen, to do the right thing every time. And what's going to happen is he's going to give you direction. Do you think God would withhold direction from you when you need direction in your life? If you stay with the compass, listen, there's not a single area of your life, and I repeat this, whereas you need direction, God will give you direction from this compass if you will meditate upon it and read it. Let it soak into your mind and heart. And listen to this last value. The last value is this, a father's loving correction. He said, I don't want that in my life. He still missed my verse. I was really wanting him to cover verse 8. <laughs> it's going to bug me. Anyway, he's going on to the... Um, yeah, he's, he's going on to the last one, the verse uh, 11 and 12. And you know what? You get off the path. Every single one of us get off the path. If we don't stay with a compass, there's no compass like this one. And if you take the compass and lay it down, what you're doing is you're positioning yourself to get off the path. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to read the scripture over and over again. Let it be the compass of your life to keep you on the right path so that you'll have God's absolute best blessings for your life, for the future. And Father, how grateful we are that you... Okay, so he's ending, he's ending in prayer. So... That was a really short, I don't think that they cut that up. Actually, I think that seems like that was the whole sermon. So it was short, sweet, and to the point, but, you know, it covered it. So let, let's talk about it. One, did he read the text? Absolutely. Now, again, we didn't read all of Psalm, uh, or Proverbs 3, rather. We read Proverbs 3, 1 through 11, but uh, the verses, or verses, what was it? 1 through 12, rather. But the verses he read, he did go back and cover. So yes, he read the scripture. Two, did he work through the text exegetically bringing out application? 
he did. In fact, we read all the way through it, and then he kind of went back through and showed the value in each principle to follow. Now, again, I like longer sermons. I think we could have really dug a lot more out of that, but he still got out, I think, some very valuable lessons. The general idea is if you're going to leave that sermon, you're going to understand that, hey, I need to trust God. I need to follow God. And when I do, there are going to be things that come from that that are helpful and beneficial to me as a believer. So I think that's great. Uh, Now, the third one is, did he preach the gospel? He didn't preach the gospel there. We didn't have anything about Jesus. We didn't have anything about uh, sin, uh, repentance, um, you know, following Jesus at all. In fact, Jesus wasn't mentioned once. So that is one of the things that I think um, could have probably been added to this uh, going, you know, we could have tied Proverbs from the Old Testament. We could have tied that to the New Testament in some way, or at least tied that to Christ being the ultimate wisdom, uh, showing us who God is and how, how we are to live. We could have made that, that, that distinction there. Uh, we did not do that. Um, so there's that. Now, again, we've talked about this before. Even when I reviewed my own sermon, there was assumptions uh, and that was really an interesting thing to do when I reviewed my own sermon. There, there were some um, assumptions that I was making when I was doing that sermon, because I knew who I was talking to, that a majority of the people there, or if not all of them, already knew the gospel. So I didn't think about it, but I had left it out. Now, again, I do think I'm an advocate, and I've tried to work this into each of my sermons since then, that I think uh, the gospel does need to be at least put in there somewhere and proclaimed. So he does not have that there, but he did read the text. He did talk about uh, and work through the text and give application to that. And he multiple in multiple places encouraged people to read the, the, their scriptures and their Bible uh, to find out God's uh, path for their lives. And if, you're, if, you, if you do do that, you're going to come across Jesus. So I don't want to give him a pass there. He did not get the last one. Um, but I think, again, pointing to people to the word, to read the word on your own will will get you there. So anyway, there's that. Uh, interesting sermon. Uh, as I said before, I, I didn't think about it beforehand, but this does seem to probably be the oldest sermon that we've looked at, perhaps, maybe. I don't know. I know we do a lot of more recent ones. So this is at least the second or third oldest sermon I've ever looked at. And it is interesting to see the distinction between how he preaches uh, back in, I'd say this is probably the uh, late 80s, early 90s, perhaps, um, versus um, how preaching is done now. So guys, if you found this helpful, go ahead and leave a like, share it, leave a comment. What do you think about this? Uh, am I being too light on him for not presenting the gospel? Do you think he handled Proverbs well? I'd be really interested to hear about it back from you. And again, All of this was part of just a little bit of research working toward uh, putting out that video essay on Andy Stanley. So I hope that you'll stick around for that, and I hope you'll find that beneficial as well. In the meantime, if you haven't seen the Mike Todd video essay, that will be in the description as well. And I'll talk to you next week.